Welcome to Shift by Alberta Innovates. I'm Katie Burnett. And I'm John Hagan. On today's episode, we're talking to Mark Diener, the director of the Alberta Data Institute. We're going to be talking about the role the Institute plays in a sector that will have significant global economic implications on the order of trillions of dollars over the next decade. So put on your swim trunks, get ready to dive into data, and welcome to Shift. Welcome to Shift. It's so good to have you on today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know what? I actually feel like you have some Shift street cred. Um, the last few episodes, you or the Alberta Data Institute have been mentioned. So that tells me that the work you're doing is spanning all industries, and it's also really important. So I'm really excited to have you um, here today to talk to us a little bit more about data-driven innovation. So it's super exciting to be here, and I can't wait to have this conversation, and thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell us, what is data-driven innovation? Um, data, I'll, I'll tell you generally, data-driven innovation has the, uh, has the ability to change everything. Um, and so the story that I'm going to tell you is about my mom. She has been a type 1 diabetic since, since she was six years old, and she's done an amazing job of managing her diabetes. And one of the reasons she's done such a good job is that re she records every aspect of her, of her interaction against diabetes, how much food she's eaten, how much insulin she's taken, things like that. And over time, she's been able to re record more and more data. And generally what happens is with the data that she records, it gives her she's able to look at that data and have a sense of how uh, the health of how she's doing from a health perspective. Um, it also, it, it enforces, it, it creates a sense of uh, habit of collecting data and that helps her maintain her diabetes. Um, and, but, but for the most part, the data goes inside a notebook is put inside her drawer and there it sits. And, and what data-driven innovation has the ability to do is to take all of this data and look for patterns, look for things that us humans could never ever figure out and see if there's things that, that the, an algorithm or a computer software could do that could make my life, make my mom's life better, that could, that could change her behavior, that could suggest, oh, maybe take a little bit less di uh, insulin or maybe a little bit more, uh, eat a little bit more, something like that. It could change her behavior. It could make her a healthier person. And so at the heart of it is that data becomes the input for decision-making rather than the output of, of, of a record. So it becomes the fuel for change rather than the exhaust as a result of that change. Yeah, no doubt. How long has your mom been collecting data for? Since she was a teenager. Unreal. And what what spurred that on? Like, so it's been it, it's been a best practice amongst type one diabetics forever to okay. record their their blood sugar levels, the amount of insulin that she's taking. Um, but I, I think mom has taken it to a little bit of a higher level. Maybe maybe that's part of why. Personally, I have some interest in, in data collection. Who knows? Right. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get into the Alberta Data Institute. Tell us a little bit about it. What 
kind of work is are you guys doing there? All that. So the Alberta Data Institute was was born out of an imperative to do something about this data-driven innovation. And and the uh, the worldwide global impact of data and artificial intelligence in general is massive. And we what we want to do is make sure that Alberta is part of that and 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 what we can do in Alberta to make uh, to make that you're looking inquisitive. I see <laughs> yeah, a question. Define define massive. What does that mean? So in the trillions of dollars, there was recently trillions trillions of dollars. There was recently a report from Accenture, uh, also a report from PricewaterhouseCoopers. They're talking uh, uh, an impact of AI by 2030 and the 15 to 20 trillion dollars worth of of global impact. That's a decade from now. That's amazing. That's it, it's incredible, mm-hmm. and the the pace of change is phenomenal. The uh, that's the potential. The problem is is that um, so many of our early AI projects have not been working. There's been a lot of lessons learned. There's been some By failure. By AI, you mean artificial intelligence, not Alberta Innovates? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's it's, okay. It's a confusing acronym because yeah, it could be used in in both situations. Anyway, um, many of these. Artificial intelligence, we also call it machine learning projects, are failing. And the reason they're failing is because of the the uh, ability for them to leverage the data that they are using to create the uh, to create the solutions that they're that they're looking that they're looking to create. Uh, it's the wrong data. It's it's data that's not transformed or cleansed properly, and so that's where ADI comes in. Okay, so so sorry, you're talking cleanse data, bad data, and ADI comes in and cleans this and makes it good data. How how does somebody who's diving into artificial intelligence, a company, how do they know what's good data, bad data? Where does that come from? So let me give you an example of my mom. Uh, if we want to create a, an algorithm, let's say, that would support my mom's my mom and her behavior patterns around managing her diabetes, uh, what we would do is we would go and look at thousands and thousands and thousands of people collecting the data, and we would uh, then then look for patterns and, and create those algorithms. But let's say my mom is one of those people who are uh, creating the data sets. She may be using different terminology. She may be creating uh, data sets um, uh, using different decimal places, I don't know, she's she's creating the data sets differently than every one of the other thousand people or tens of thousands of people. Okay. And so what we do is we gather all of the various data sets and look to create it so it's consistent. If there's if my mom had been making mistakes because she has, you know, uh, had forgotten a day or whatever, or written accidentally the wrong the the wrong number. We mm-hmm. seek those anomalies and we cleanse them out. We uh, we take all of the data and put it together and create something that a computer could understand and, and be trained against. Okay, so just just so I'm clear, and we'll we'll stick with the diabetes example. So your mom's got the data set that she's she's been keeping. And then you look at data from all of these other diabetics who have been keeping data. You try to make that data consistent across each one of those data sets. So you, you'd mentioned uh, uh, decimal points. So let's say you go to one decimal point for all of these data sets. And how do you, how do you determine whether 
um, there's a mistake. You'd said maybe your mom missed a day. So if there's a thousand people that maybe missed a day, how do you determine that? So there's software that could go in and it, and it could review all of the data and it can find anomalies or it can, can find examples where there's an obvious error and cleanse that out. Uh, sometimes, though, the software can't run by itself. It needs a human to be able to interpret and understand. Okay. Those are called data scientists, these humans, who would then go in and be able to um, work with software to create a consistent data set. Once we've got a consistent data set, we can then train. And that training is done um, through statistical calculations. I don't want to be too much of a professor here. Um, uh, but nonetheless, um, between a data scientist and tools that they're using, they would go in and create that right data set. And that's what the ADI is going to be doing, the Alberta Data Institute. is We will be working to make sure that we have a data set that creates the right algorithm, the right machine learning outcomes that we want to seek. Okay. How's that going for you guys? So we're <laughs> we're uh, assembling the product to be able to do this. Um, okay, define product. What does that mean? The product is uh, project management. It's a set of tools. It's a it's a canvas or a platform where we can uh, do the data science and where we can go and and collect the data, share the data, ensure that there's no issues of ethics or privacy. Uh, all of the work that we need to do to, to optimize and create a data set that feels comfortable from all parties involved. So, okay. Oh, sorry. Tell me a bit about this ethics and the privacy. So as we're collecting data, for example, health data, we have to make sure that we honor the privacy and all of the ethics issues that are around collecting health data. We, do, we, we can't. We can't compromise that. So we work with uh, uh, experts in the field of, of health privacy or privacy analytics in general uh, for us to be able to go in and create that data set that, that doesn't compromise my mom's privacy, for example. So is that um, those ethics? Is like For me, I feel like that's a really big concern for a lot of people. So how, what is the ADI doing to help um, help those people understand and be more comfortable with, with you guys using their data? So the first is that we have to comply with all the privacy rules and regulations. We have to make sure that uh, if there are ethic if there are considerations of ethics or if there's ethics approvals that are needed, that that is done. Um, and then there's another part of ethics in general, which is the ethics of artificial intelligence to make decisions on behalf of human beings. And that's just something that is being explored. The ADI won't get into that too much, uh, but it's certainly something that we've got our radar on. So, I mean, the whole point of that is so that we don't have a Terminator situation on our hands, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's the ultimate goal is no Terminator. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> this, I'm goes, glad. this goes way beyond uh, Albert Innovates, in fact. I mean, there are people thinking about this in universities around the world now. And what we would do is... To the extent that they're making decisions uh, w with how data should be used, we would be honoring those decisions. So are there other jurisdictions that you're aware of that are doing something similar to what the Alberta Data Institute is doing? I haven't seen this model anywhere else. I've seen a lot of examples where jurisdictions are looking to create algorithms and do machine learning and obviously fund a lot of uh, the exploration and do the research. Um, but in terms of jurisdictions that are ensuring that we have the right data, 
necessary to train the algorithms. I haven't seen this. This is pretty unique for Alberta, I believe. That's really awesome because, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Alberta is number three for artificial intelligence in the world, artificial intelligence research. Correct? So we were number three a year or two ago. I'm not sure what the current statistics are. I know that in, in different places of the world, for example, in China, there's a lot of uh, momentum around a artificial intelligence. Uh, let's just say we're one of the world leaders. What are ranking as it changes year to year? So tell me, what does Alberta have that other places don't? What is the Alberta advantage to artificial intelligence? So I think we have... Uh, well, one, let's go with entrepreneurial spirit and... and Ooh, I like that. <laughs> entrepreneurial spirit. I think, I think we, we have the, a passion and uh, some basic uh, research being done by the universities, which combined together give, an Al give Alberta a huge advantage. Um, Alberta innovates, something that I think that we need to uh, definitely mention when it comes to an advantage here. I think what we're doing with the Alberta Data Institute will position us well as well. So the one of the main um, industries in Alberta, or the main industry, is oil and gas, followed by, I would argue, agriculture. So what is artificial intelligence doing in those sectors specifically? We're really so so with respect to agriculture. Actually, let me mention that Alberta was recently a recipient of an uh, of a um, uh, of an uh, awarded grant from uh, the federal government. It's and uh, that's that launched Kane, which is that was our previous episode with Don Troutman. Right, right. So I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. And so we have the ability to do some fantastic, amazing things to automate farming, to make the life of a farmer much better, and, and to help position. Canada as a leader in uh, agri-food and in data-driven innovation within the farming space as well. Um, when you think about how farms operate today, a lot of the decisions that farmers make um, are based on data, but um, the, the processing that, that the farmer is going through uh, with respect to the data is based on instinct and gut and years and years of experience. Uh, imagine what we could do to help support a farmer if we were collecting data from sensors or if we were looking at external factors like weather, uh, stock market, and being able to support farmers to make way better decisions. What that means is we have to have the right data in place to describe the problem that a farmer is trying to solve. You know, what should I plant? When should I plant it? When should I seed? When should I harvest? All of these decisions should be and could be made better if if we if we think about all of the data points and then def, uh, figure out what are the patterns that are being generated, such that a farmer could be a better decision maker, such that a farmer could automate. Their, their processes, things like that. What role does the uh, the farmer's anecdotal evidence play in all of this? So the the farmer's the expert. The farmer has a better understanding of what this data means. If if I was to if I was to give all of the data that a farmer might um, create to a data scientist, they won't have a sense of what that data actually means. So so. They need the expertise and the experience of a of a farmer to be able to understand what all of these data points mean. So and the math isn't everything. The is math is not everything. Okay. The, the math, the the question has to be uh, addressed by not only someone who's an expert in data science, but also the farmer, the the, the physician, 
whatever. It's 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 that relationship and and projects, any sort of machine learning or AI project can't be successful without bringing that team together to solve those problems. So that team is that that the ADI is bringing together is the, the data scientists and the people in the front lines. It's it's critical. You can't arrive at an understanding and collect the right data without an without someone who could um, point to what that data is. So going back a little bit to ethics, can we talk about the ownership of data? Because I know that that's a sticky situation. Dawn, in our last episode, she briefly touched on it. But can you um, give us a little bit of insight to data data ownership? So I think one of the barriers we're going to have going forward with collecting the right data is there people will not feel comfortable to share data because they don't have a sense of ownership or they think that if I was to share my data, I'll lose the control of owning that data or they're not even sure if they own that data. So, for example, um, with my mom, does she own the data as as she's beginning to use um, sensors in that monitor her blood sugar and send that send that data out, or maybe she's using an Apple Watch or whatever. Uh, that's all data that her body is creating that that is owned by her. But the sensors and all of the various machines collecting that data, who owns that? And I think um, that's a that's something we have to figure out, and that's something countries around the world are wrestling with. And we're seeing we're beginning to see legislation in place with. Once once we can address ownership, then we can address sharing, then we can address the ability to gather the data in a place where it can be trained for artificial intelligence. So my Apple Watch, for example, Apple owns the data that I'm collecting, correct? So... <laughs> um, Hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you own the data and they own the collection of it. That to be honest, like so uh, great. I, it, it's right. the reason why I, I there was a little bit of awkward silence is because th- that's a hard question to to address. I'm not I'm not a, a lawyer, and I think this is this is a question that that we're going to wrestle with over the next few years. The Europeans recently established uh, some legislation around this, and and same with California. I think. Uh, we're be, we're gonna need clarity on those on those questions. So, just a, and this might be a dumb question, but I, I genuinely don't know the answer to it. But why does uh, why does ownership matter to the individual? I mean, if it's an anonymous data collection set, um, you know, if I have di- type one diabetes and I'm like, like my name's not attached to it, so so why does it matter so much? I mean, anonymous is kind of subjective in a way. There are there are very, some very smart people who can pretty quickly re-identify you, no matter if you think your your data is anonymous. Um, I think uh, so. Irrespective of that, it's your data, and um, and it's yours to decide if you want to share or not. And this is this is when you get into eth- data ethics and. Um, and questions like that, and privacy as well. Uh, for every for every person who it is a problem, who it is an issue, we then have less data that we can go ahead and 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 and, and develop solutions around. So we have to have a we have to have a sense of 
of, everyone should have a sense of comfort with this if we're going to make sure. any progress, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me pull us out of the uh, ethics rabbit hole just for a moment because it's, I, I think, as you said, it's a... Mark's breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> it's a topic that uh, it, there's a lot of gray area involved. But back to the ADI in terms of pilot projects. Now, you guys aren't, you're not off and running yet. You're not working with businesses today, or are you? Are there, how are you guys getting off the ground here? So we're getting off the ground now. We do have a number of uh, projects and potential projects that we're working with. Um, I don't know if I could say publicly what they are now because we're just working through all of the various contracts. There's Fair one enough. in agriculture. Uh, there's two in agriculture. There's one in health that we're looking at now. Uh, we're looking for a few more. What we want to do is prove our prove our, our product, prove that we can work, make sure that we can uh, be successful with uh, creating the right data sets that we need. And then our intent is once we have the data sets in place, to then pass them on to the Alberta ecosystem where we can begin to create uh, opportunities for Alberta companies to develop the machine learning algorithms or the statistics or the visualizations. Mm-hmm. So our goal is not only to ensure we have the right data sets, but is to, but is to build up the Alberta economy and, and to the extent that we can then support companies in, in doing that, that's our goal. Okay, cool. Tell me a little bit about, uh, so Alberta's got the open data portal. Uh, there's uh, things like the bio info, what is it, BRIMS? Bioresources Information Management System. Does this ring a bell at no, all to you? Sorry. No, okay, no, that's all right. No, that's all right. I just, there's all these, there seem to be a number of efforts going on in terms of data. How How is the ADI working with the partners across Alberta's ecosystem to kind of get a sense of what everybody's doing and then moving beyond? Because as you said, you know, back to the ethics thing really quickly, there's a lot of work being done. How do we make sure we're tied into all of that? So a lot of the data you see in, in public portals like or in open portals, not just in Alberta but around the world, is the tip, of, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the data we need to train machine learning algorithms. The data sets that you typically see uh, aren't, isn't the right data. It's, it's data that's useful and it's data that we can use to help understand some of these sectors, but it's not going to be understood by... Uh, an algorithm. It's it, it, it's just it's too high level. Um, w- instead of thinking about the data, we think of the about the problem that we're trying to solve, and then for example, uh, thinking about uh, a diabetic. Mm-hmm. What are all the input uh, data sets that we would need to help my mom in her diabetes? So, um, and and then we and then we go looking to collect those data sets and make sure that they have the right amount of uh, granularity that, uh, that okay. uh, an algorithm can then be trained against it. Hmm. So, Mark, let's wrap up here, but is there anything you want to leave us with about the Alberta Data Institute and the work that you're doing? Um, well, we are, we are just getting going. We are super interested in, in anyone who may hear this podcast. If they have an idea for how they could use data as a fuel to uh, better support their uh, outcomes, and they have a sense of, if I only understood the pattern that all of this data is telling me, then I, I would encourage you to get hold of us, and we could see whether or not there's opportunity there. Uh, our initial focus areas are on health and agriculture, but we're also looking at clean energy. Uh, so 
so I, I would say that uh, right now we need to we, we need to demonstrate this. We need to prove this out, and we need projects that can help us do that. Um, and then we can move from a failure rate of 70%, let's say, for machine learning projects and, and, and take that down to you know, a few percentage points, something like that. That's a lofty goal. I'm really excited to see where you guys end up. And how, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? So through the website. I, I, I would think, mm-hmm. um, oh. is the best way. Yeah, albertainnovates.ca. Uh, um, they can email me. And uh, my email is mark.diner, diner or diner, as it's pronounced properly, at albertainnovates.ca. <laughs> awesome. And then one more thing, Inventures, our conference in June, June 3rd to 5th this year. I know one of the tracks is artificial intelligence. Are you going to be at Inventures? So I will. I'd love to meet you for a coffee or drink afterwards. <laughs> and another podcast, because, uh, you know, this is four months away. We're going to hear more about the Data Institute. I'm also pretty active on Twitter. Um, you can reach me at GovKid, G-O-V-K-I-D, if you want to reach out to me that way as well. And maybe we can meet at Adventures and talk about possibilities. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Mark. This was a riveting conversation. Thank you so much. It was great. Absolutely great being here. Thank you. Shift is brought to you by Alberta Innovates. We can be found online at www.shift.albertainnovates or shoot us an email anytime at shift at albertainnovates.ca. On behalf of everyone here, I'm John Hagen. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.